Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1590. The topic is Q&A and the title is Food as Emotional Therapy. I had a client, a new client I'm working with nutritionally, and they're um, a high-level athlete and they've been struggling with emotional eating. And they've experienced a lot of stress recently in their life. And I've, I've worked with a friend of theirs, so they decided they should reach out. I kind of recommended they reach out. And we've been talking. And one of their questions they asked was if I had ever struggled with using food as emotional therapy. If I ever struggled with specifically overeating. And they wanted to kind of know it because I have a feel. They're just kind of feeling me out. They're like, does this guy, you know, does he say everything he reads in books or does he actually know this? <laughs> you know, has he actually experienced it himself? Uh, so I just wanted to kind of share that a little bit. So when I was 15 years old, that's when I started kind of my fitness journey. I was overweight. I was actually like skinny fat, super skinny fat. So I was around, I think, five foot eight, 165 pounds, but you could grab fat rolls around my waist. I had absolutely no muscle definition, couldn't see a vein in my body. <laughs> so I was 165 pounds, but fat at 165 pounds. So I had no muscle and I was fat, so skinny fat. And the way I in which started my journey was through anorexia. I was eating one meal a day and I was trying to then exercise off the calories that I thought were in the meal. Like this was before the internet. So I had absolutely no clue how many calories were in the meal. Like, yeah, I was aware of like nutrition fact labels, but some foods don't have nutrition fact labels and you couldn't Google anything because it wasn't Google. So Whatever I thought was in the food, I tried to exercise that off. Now, I didn't also know how much exercise equaled how many calories, so I just beat the living crap out of myself and hoped that it was enough. <laughs> but I was fueled through hate. Basically, I hated the way I was, and I wanted to change. So I used food restriction, actually undereating, as a way to try to change my body and build my mindset. So I believed that I was the way I was because I was mentally weak and physically weak. And I was like, well, if I can just eat nothing, then I'll lose body fat and I won't be such a big freaking baby and I'll make myself a lot mentally stronger. So that was the place I started. I started with restriction. Now, when I got into my 20s, I had kind of coming out, come out of that period of time where I started learning, okay, protein, I actually need protein to build muscle tissue. What surprise, you know, so I started eating protein. Then I realized I can't just eat 100% protein. I actually have some carbs, I have to have some carbs and fats. Otherwise, my body saves all aspects of, you know, anything that's surplus, any, any kind of momentary surplus. And it wouldn't let me build new muscle if it didn't have the energy components into the process of building new muscle. So I realized, okay, crap, I have to actually eat carbs and fats. You know, so I remember buying this little this little book. It was only like four inches tall, maybe three inches wide, but it was like an inch and a half deep. It was a very thick little book. And it had all the nutrition facts of all the foods in the world. So I would flip through it and try to read through it all the time. But um, I did realize that I needed carbs and fats and protein to look the way I wanted to look. So... I started eating more, but I got into trouble when I was in my 20s, uh, and I was trying to gain weight, continue to gain weight, but I got into a period of time where I was eating comfort foods, and that started becoming kind of an internal battle, like a mental, emotional battle. I wanted to be bigger and leaner, but I knew I had to eat clean foods to achieve that. 
but I was tired and going through a lot, you know, super busy working a couple jobs, doing, uh, you know, undergrad, then grad school and the job on top of that. I was just busy and I was tired and I was trying to train like a maniac. So eating sloppy foods was just easier. And I saw a faster change on the scale. You can gain weight faster when you eat pizza than when you eat chicken breast and rice. And when I had a t-shirt on, I looked like I got bigger, you know? I mean, like I gained, I forget, I think I gained like 25 pounds one summer. <laughs> and and I came back and people were like, holy cow, you know, what the hell have you been doing? You know, and people were asking me a lot of questions. It kind of felt good. You know, I got compliments when I had a t-shirt on. But internally, I knew I was choosing the sloppy foods because of mental weakness. I was tired and I didn't want to have to cook all the good food. You know, I didn't want to have to sit there and try to eat that much. I've eaten... I've force-fed myself to the point of throwing up because I wanted to get bigger before. So I was just tired of freaking eating so damn much. And when I was just in underwear, like I could see that the weight that I was adding was not muscle. <laughs> you know, I was getting thicker, but it was definitely not getting more detailed. So I had all these good things, you know, seeing the scale go up, compliments from people. You know, and the sloppy foods were just easier emotionally, mentally, physically, you know. So I had this kind of conflict internally. And I actually got up to 195 pounds. And that was without like a, like a belly. I've never had my belly hang over my pants, even at 295 pounds. So, and that's, again, I'm telling you from a kid who graduated high school at 18 years old at 165 pounds, I gained 130 pounds in, in muscle and fat, unfortunately. But I gained 130, I gained a human being in the time frame of like, eight years six to eight years I gained 130 pounds and my arms were at 19 and three quarter inch the reason why I tell you those numbers 295 pounds and 19 and three quarter inch arms was because a childhood dream that I had when I was 15 16 17 years old when I was in my basement parents basement and I was reading muscle and fitness magazines and I got into muscular development which felt like oh kind of risque because they talked about drugs and all this stuff <laughs> so um you know like I got like kind of into it in bodybuilding and my goal was always to be 300 pounds with 20 inch arms so here I was five pounds away and one quarter of an inch on my arms away from my childhood dream of 300 pounds 20 inch arms but I remember I took a photo of myself like doing some poses and I, I didn't have, it was basically like my, I was just kind of fluffy. I, I, I was fat everywhere. <laughs> so I didn't have a big belly. Like my belly didn't protrude, you know, didn't hang or anything, but I was just soft and fluffy and puffy everywhere. And I looked at myself in a photo and I was like, you know what? I don't want it like this. I don't want it. I, I don't want the 300 pound and 20 inch arms. I don't want that childhood dream. If it's because I'm just eating crap because I'm mentally weak. I don't want it this way. And I remember in that moment just saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. Just all these emotions, you know. And I kind of started my process of trying to undo food as emotional therapy. Since I was 15 and through my 20s and into my early 30s, I struggled with eating for comfort. Even when I started Brutal Iron Gym, 
you know, started this gym back in 2011. I was working 70 hours a week. I mean, it was 50 plus hours face to face with clients every day. Then I had to, outside of the 50 hours, write their training and nutrition programs, clean the gym, do the financial aspects, and all the other things. I was still trying to build the gym, so I was trying to go on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and trying to buy all these things. Actually, it was just Craigslist. I don't remember Facebook Marketplace at that time. Trying to get equipment. Like, I mean, my God, it was just absolutely bonkers amount of work. And I would eat for comfort. So since I so rarely got any moments of relaxation and enjoyment, so rarely, at that time, then I compensated with food. You know, I remember I had a, a Moe's burrito, homewrecker burrito, uh, every day for lunch because it was, it tastes good. Like, man, when I was training clients, I trained clients five to six hours in the morning. I had a two hour break, then I trained five to seven hours in the evening. During that two hour break, I would drive to Moe's, I'd eat a homewrecker burrito, which is like 1,200 calories, and then I'd go take a 20 minute nap in my car. And man, if anything got in the way, anything got in the way of me being able to get out of the gym to go get that meal because I wanted that 20 minute nap. I was like the grumpiest human being in the world. <laughs> so it was all internal. I try not to be grumpy on the external, but that was, that was my, Oh man, that was, that was the world right there. <laughs> you know, I got that Moe's burrito, then a 20 minute nap in my car. And then I took on the rest of the day. And that was, you know, that was my time. That was my thing. And then on the weekends, I would get up at 6 or so, and I'd train clients on Saturday, have group classes, then train individual clients, do other odds and ends I had to do. Uh, so I usually worked from like 7 to like 2 or 3 in the afternoon on Saturdays. And then I remember I would go get uh, Domino's. They had two medium pizzas for like 5 bucks each or something like that. It was some kind of deal. And I would have a Domino's pizza, and I would watch a movie from a Redbox that was my entertainment budget, was uh, one Redbox movie a, a week. So I would get the Domino's pizza. I'd eat one of the medium pizzas while watching the movie. Typically, I'd eat the pizza and fall asleep before the movie was over. I would sleep, this is no lie, from about 4 to 5 in the afternoon on Saturday to about 4 to 5 in the afternoon on Sunday. So it was like 24 hours of sleep because I was so damn tired. I would get back up, watch like half of a football game while I ate the other medium Domino's pizza, fall back asleep by like 7 or 8 at night and knock it up till 6 in the morning the next day. So I got like all my weekly sleep in like two days. <laughs> but that was the thing. You know, the Moe's burrito every day for lunch with a nap and then the Domino's pizzas on the weekend. Those were, those were my comfort. You know, among all the other shit that I had to do, if I got those, I'd be okay. You know, and I remember telling myself that I needed the calories. You know, so it was okay. You know, yeah, this isn't the cleanest of food, but but it's okay. I need the calories. I need the calories. You know, so I was lying to myself. So that way I could feel okay with it. But it took until, I'd say, like early 30s to realize that the goals that I had said I wanted since I was 15, freaking 15, were being held back in part due to emotional eating. I'd never got the six-pack that I wanted. I'd never get the big visible muscles that, you know, the 20 inch arms, you know, I'd never get that if I wasn't going to do, if I wasn't going to eat cleaner and if I wasn't going to be more disciplined. And as often as life does, <laughs> I learned that lesson when I had the hardest time to implement it. The absolute like worst time of my life that I could have tried to be more disciplined towards food was when I learned that I need to be more disciplined with food. 
<laughs> so my parents were moving down uh, from Pennsylvania to South Carolina, which was awesome, and I love it, and I love having my parents here. But that was just more, you know, time uh, demand on me. I had started actually a relationship at that time as well, uh, and the business was going through a growth phase. So thankfully, uh, the business was growing beyond what I could manage. Like there was just not enough of me to go around with the business alone, let alone adding on a relationship, let alone adding on my parents moving down. So it was a it was a blessing, you know, all great things. My parents moving down closer, amazing, huge blessing. Being in a relationship, uh, you know, at that point I hadn't had one for a long time. <laughs> so that was a huge blessing and, and really nice. And the business was growing. I mean, these were the most, like, blessing of things, but it was ridiculously overwhelming. <laughs> oh, my God, ridiculously overwhelming. Uh, so talk about panic attacks and anxiety and stuff. But eating clean and having more frequent meals had never been harder in my entire life than in those moments. But then, you know, I went through the breakup of that relationship and I actually started a new one, which with my current uh, wife now, which is amazing. I met my soulmate and I uh, thank God every day for her. I think he made her literally for me, you know, like, and I do my best to make sure that it's a good match for her. <laughs> but I'm very blessed, very grateful. But then we had, you know, 2020 pandemic. My, my wife's mother had a stroke and we had to do a lot of uh, care for her, including moving her down from New Jersey down to South Carolina. And then taking her to every doctor appointment and do everything in the world. Um, and then that also involved with me switching literally every aspect of the business. I had to quit doing in-person work for a long time because my schedule was just absolutely insane. I had to build online work and then just how I wanted to structure that. You know, how would I interact with clients? How would I deliver programs? How would I market that on, you know, Instagram and social media and stuff? And it was just Oh, it was absolutely insane. And if you've been with me in the podcast since then, you know I've done this podcast at every possible time and location. <laughs> I remember doing this podcast um, outside of Philadelphia Hospital with, like, birds attacking me because I had, like, Fig Newtons as my entire... I had one sleeve of Fig Newtons. That was my only meal all day uh, sitting outside of this hospital because the hospital wouldn't let me in because of COVID restrictions. And these damn birds were attacking me <laughs> while I was trying to do a podcast. I mean, it has been absolute chaos, absolute craziness, you know, and it's been a, a whirlwind these past five years. But even with all of that, <laughs> I'm the leanest and the heaviest I've ever been at this lean in my entire life. And starting this year, 2023, I feel like things have finally kind of calmed down in a sense to where I can take care of myself a little bit more. I can put myself a little bit more towards the top of my daily uh, decisions. <laughs> you know, I can eat a little better. I can train more regularly. I can finally put my needs higher up on my priority list. And I'm excited to see now what can come of my like my newly learned and achieved a kind of control over food that I haven't been able to implement in the last five to six years. But I, I'm just so excited, so excited about what's to come. So I have struggled with using food as emotional therapy. And what helped me the most to kind of get out of that routine was recognizing that it was actually hurting me. I remember there was a member of the gym one time. His son hurt his knee playing football. And the dad, you know, like they were talking about it. And I was going to offer like, you know, some suggestions. And the dad, he said, well, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I've rehabbed my knee seven times before. 
And I was polite in the moment, <laughs> but I remember kind of walking away from that conversation thinking, what a freaking moron. And I know that does not make me sound nice, but it's just real. You know, if, if you have to rehab your knee seven times, did you really rehab it? <laughs> I mean, can you count that as rehab if you said you have to do it seven times? Apparently, after the first time you quote-unquote rehabbed your knee, you either did something dumber than the first time you did to hurt it, or the rehab wasn't very effective because it got hurt again. And then again and again and again and again. So, I remember just how confident that dad was that he had rehabbed his knee seven times, so he knew exactly what to do to help his son. And I was like, oh, for the love of God. You know, this boof. <laughs> so, I, I remember that moment, and... Then thinking to myself, in many ways, and one applicable way to this podcast was, if I use food as emotional therapy, but then I feel bad about eating the food, is that really emotional therapy? Is it really working? So I remember thinking to myself, who's the moron? <laughs> you know, I'm calling this guy a moron, but I'm acting pretty moronic myself, you know? And I've had other moments like that. I remember one time I was in a grocery store. And like a typical guy, you walk into the grocery store and you think, oh, I'm just going to grab a couple of things I don't need to cart. Well, you dumbass, you end up grabbing a couple of things and then a couple more things, a couple more things, and you're trying to hold all this crap, uh, you know, walking up to the uh, cash register, you know. And I remember getting up to the front, the cashier, and this person was in front of me, and they had put the stuff on the back end of the conveyor belt, and there was all this room in front of them, but they wouldn't move forward. And rather than me just asking if they'd moved forward, I'm non-confrontational, so I just judge the shit out of them without saying anything. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe they wouldn't move forward, you know. They, do they not notice I'm holding all this stuff, you know. And um, just going through that stupid little mind stuff that we go through. And then finally when they move forward, I dump all my stuff out. My arms are tired, my biceps hurting, you know. And I'm like, I can't freaking believe they wouldn't move forward. And I was just so mad and so mad and so mad, you know. And then my stuff moves forward on the conveyor belt, and I hear thump, 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 thump. I look behind me, and somebody was behind me waiting for my dumb ass to move forward so they could put their stuff down. So it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm judging the crap out of the person in front of me, and here I am doing the same damn thing. You know, so it's moments like those where, through the observation of others, we can see our own mistakes. And being a trainer, that's, oh, my gosh, you see that it's all the time. You know, there's a lot like that where you help others through their issues and then in return you become more aware of your own issues. But what's kind of cool is by by learning what is needed to help the other person, you then can apply that to yourself. So for me, what has worked to address food as emotional therapy was finding other methods to address why I was needing the food and to recognize that the transition of using food to other methods was, would take time. Now, what other methods have I used? Stress management. Overwhelmingly stress management. You know, using food for comfort is because you're trying to use it to comfort yourself from stress that you're feeling. Well, manage the stress in some other way, and then you don't need the food. So, if you have less stress, then that equals less need to eat food to cope with the stress. Right? So, I started learning more about stress management. 
I read, well, I, I don't read a lot. I use a lot of audiobooks because I have a hard time sitting down to read. Uh, but I use a lot of audiobooks. And a lot of audiobooks, they started talking about all these different tactics and different ideas. And one that stuck with me very well was the idea of a people priority list. You know, rank the people in my life, who's most important to least important. I know that's kind of a, a crappy terminology maybe. But whenever two people would need something from me, and I can't possibly do both, that would cause a lot of anxiety. That caused a lot of stress. Then I'd wonder, did I do the right thing? Did I not do the right thing? Da, 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 da. You know? And I have a lot of people pulling on me every day, and that's okay. That's great. I'm blessed. But it's something I do need to manage properly. Otherwise, I can lose track of, you know, the relationships. So I made people priority lists. I also made, like, work priority lists. I made, you know, kind of options for things. Like, okay, if I can't do something in plan A, what's plan B, C, D, you know, all the way to Z? So having priority lists, having options, helped manage my stress immensely. So I've talked about podcast 1023. That's a really good one. It's a mindset podcast titled Stress Management, Options, and Priorities. So you can definitely listen to that. You can find that on our website, www.brewlearninggym.com. Uh, there's podcasts on there and instructions on how to get to older podcasts. So podcast 1023 was enormously helpful. Then, also knowing my minimums. You know, so if, if, I, if I fall behind in food, I don't eat right then that causes me stress. And then what's the point of worrying about what I'm eating if I'm not even eating right? Then I'll just eat the damn comfort food and what's the, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that, that's not good. So knowing the minimums, you know, knowing what's the least I need to do to keep myself on track nutritionally while I manage all the other crap I have to do. If I know I'm at least on track nutritionally with the minimums, then I don't have the need to emotionally eat because I'm, I'm on track. I'm doing well. You know, I don't want to screw that up. So it's motivating. So knowing the minimums is super helpful. Podcast 1,232 is the nutrition podcast titled Start Here. It'll tell you what the minimums are. Using small self-therapies, like small moments throughout the day that just help me manage my stress, help me stay emotionally calm, uh, that is ridiculously helpful. Very, very helpful. And I, um, I'm trying to remember like which podcast I, I said that. I believe I talked about it in podcast number 1580, which was living on a credit card. It's a mindset podcast, living on a credit card. I believe I kind of talk about that uh, emotional aspects in there. Uh, I'll have to, maybe I'll have to look that up and see. But that's a couple of the ways that I've worked on trying to control stress in my life. And if I can control stress, then I have less stress than I need to make up for, right? less stress to comfort myself with. So all of those components have helped immensely, combined with the recognition that old ways lead to old results. I have to trust in the new to achieve new. I know what using food as emotional therapy will get me. I've done it for over a decade. I know what it's going to get me. More frustration and more cyclical um, kind of patterns, not moving myself forward. So I have to trust in the new if I want to achieve new. So if I want to get out of using food as emotional therapy, I have to stop using food as emotional therapy. You know, I have to know what to replace that with. You know, people priority list, work priority list, having options, knowing your minimums, self-therapies, you know, trying to manage stress. If you manage stress better, you won't need the food as much. And then when you are stressed, you double down on your stress management techniques, your new techniques. And you have to trust in the new 
in order to get you out of the old. And then also recognizing that it's a transition. One mistake doesn't mean I failed. I just want to make mistakes less often. If I'm making a mistake less often, I'm progressing, I'm moving forward. So I'm not looking at day to day, I'm looking at months. You know, if I messed up once this week, or twice this week, or three times this week, you know, can I go next week with one less mess up? You know, can I go next month with one less mess up than a month before? It takes time. It's a transition. So if you're struggling with emotional eating, learning other methods to control stress is immensely important. If you want to take away a therapy, you have to put a therapy back in its place. So what are you going to use to comfort you in the way that food was comforting you? You have to have something in this place. You have to have a plan. You know, actions and things and stuff that you can do that food was doing. You have to look for substitutions. And then recognize that it's going to take time. You know, it, it can take a long, long, long time. But it's worth, it's worth the attempt. You know, you know what continuing to do what you're doing now is going to get you. It's going to get you this for the rest of your life. You know, if you do what you do now and you don't like it, you're going to stay right there. <laughs> Nothing's going to change. You know, if as time goes by, if you have the exact same habits, you're going to get the exact same shit. Time won't change anything about that. Nothing. So you have to change what you're doing. You have to change your habits. And then you change your habits, you change what you're doing over time, and then that makes the difference. So if you're struggling with emotional eating, I do know what it feels like. Try the things I discussed here. Listen to some of the podcasts I mentioned, but also reach out. You know, if you need help, reach out or email brutalironjim at gmail.com. Tell me what you're struggling with. Tell me your story. And then maybe there are some more specific resources I can send you. You know, some books and stuff that I listen to and videos and whatnot. So if you are struggling, you're not alone. I know it's an emotional and mental toll it's it's very um it's very heavy on you so reach out let me know and i'll help okay our email is brutalironjim at gmail.com okay well hopefully this was helpful hopefully it was interesting you know if people don't struggle with food as emotional therapy at least now you know a little bit more about me <laughs> and maybe that'll help uh just i i appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast and i hope that you can see a lot of a lot of the things that I might know that can help you, I have learned formally with all my degrees and certifications, but also firsthand. You know, I've done it myself. I've helped thousands of clients do it. So I hope that you're encouraged to reach out and ask whatever questions you need to live your best life and then trust in me to give you some helpful information. So if you ever need anything, just shoot me an email. It's absolutely free and I'll make you a podcast. Okay. Well, if you like the podcast, please share it. When you share it, let people know that we do answer questions for free so that way they're encouraged to reach out and get help for themselves. Then thank you to those who donate to support the podcast. There is a high host cost every year. I give an hour to it every day. 
the donations do help cover some of that cost and make this a little bit more of a reasonable business decision to do. <laughs> so thank you to those who donate. I truly appreciate it. You can do that on our website, www.brutalarnandgym.com. Even just $5 a month, it does add up and it absolutely does help. So thank you to those who do that. If you like the information we share in our podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. Post on Instagram every single day. You can also find us on YouTube. So find us and follow us under the name Brutal Iron Gym. As always, I hope this was helpful and thank you for listening.